All right. Well, God's good. All right. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You'll hear when we get there next week. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. There is a way which seems what? Come on. Which seems what? Seems right to a man. There is a way. Come on, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is what? The way of death. Okay? That's important for us to know tonight. And where we want to go, I want to talk to you about a clearer way. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of the Kingdom tonight. Is that um, there is a clearer way. Okay? And um, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is what? It's death. So we got to live beyond what just seems right, don't we? Let me give you another couple of scriptures here. Uh, same uh, passage of scripture, but different translation. It says this, in the New Living Translation, it says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it, but it ends in death. That's not very promising, is it? To think you're doing it right, and only, only to come find out you're going to death. All right, Amplified reads it this way. There is a way which seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But at the end of it is the way of death. We've got to do more than what seems right. Reminds me of a guy in Stark. His name was uh, Jerry. He played the drums with us. He was married, had uh, three beautiful kids. And he was in the Navy. And he cooked for the guy that was over all of the Navy in the whole United States. He is his cook. And he had gone through training because they flew all over the world. I mean, this guy would have to go all over the world, and he would go on him. He'd prepare all of his meals and his staff. And so he had to go through training that in case they got shot down or captured, you know, that he could keep secrets. He could keep his mouth shut, okay? He had to go through some pretty extensive training where they beat him up and throw him in um, little holes and different things for a certain amount of time, you know. And um, so he had went through all this training. Tough guy, you know, sweet guy, though, but played drums for us. Well, um, he had an opportunity because he was stationed in Jacksonville to go to Washington, D.C. and to work at the house, this man's house, instead of having to do as much travel. And so, you know, he decided, well, I'm going to take the position. So, you know, they announced that they're going to be leaving the church and this, that, and the other. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a promotion, okay, uh, for him. It was an opportunity to not travel and be away from his family as much. Though he wasn't away tons, but there was opportunities that he was, you know, in in the capacity where he was at at that time. And, um, you know, it just seemed good, seemed right, seemed promotion, seemed the way to go. But before he left, I remember he came to Pastor Wade there in Stark, and he said, you know, I just... Man, maybe I shouldn't do it. And so, you know, he said, well, you need prayer, but you need to know what God's saying on this thing. Well, in having a conversation with his wife, you know, she felt kind of embarrassed about the whole deal. I think we've done said it. We're going, we're not going to turn. We're going to go ahead and do it. You know, there's no stopping now. There's no reason for us to hit the brakes. Let's go. Through their conversation, you know, and obviously it, a way that seemed right, appeared to be straight, they left. Went to Washington. About a year later, he had cheated on her. She had come back to Stark. 
she had gotten pregnant out of wedlock herself a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. I have no idea what's going on with her kids, but I hadn't heard it's very profitable. He ended up remarrying. Why? It seemed right, but it wasn't the way God wanted them to go. It was death. You know, a lot of times people, it seems right to leave a city and go take a promotion. Go get a better job somewhere. And never once ask the Lord, is there a church for us there? We don't think this way. Because typically man is running after paychecks thinking, well, the Lord's blessed me. See, he gave me a promotion. God gave me more money. devil will promote you right out of church. He'll give you all kind of finance that will keep you from being in church, finding a fit, getting connected there, learning and growing in the things of God. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're working in a capacity where you can't be in church every time. God understands that. You understand? And that means, you know, as you continue to pray, he can get, continue to open doors so that you can, you know, be connected as much as you can or promote you to a point, God will, so that you can be in all the time. This can happen. Okay? But uh, what I'm saying is, is that people make decisions solely specifically on monetary gain and never actually asking the Lord, should they do this? People make decisions just to go home and be closer to Mama and leave great churches. Love mom, but, you know, maybe mom needs to move over here and get in the good word church. I mean, people are always moving for various reasons that seem right, but in the end, it's going to be death. So we've got to come to a point where we uh, go in a direction that's clearer than it just seems right. Now, we can get a seem, it seems good to us and the Holy Ghost. Um, this happened in the book of Acts when they had a discussion concerning circumcision because people were coming in behind uh, Paul and others and saying, look, you're really not born again unless you're circumcised. How can you say you're of the nation of God or of the children of God and you're not circumcised? And so there's a big dis- debate that, that came through the church in Jerusalem where James was a pastor, and after the conversation he had with Peter and Paul concerning these things, he said it just seems right to us and the Holy Spirit that they don't need to circumcise themselves. That's not what the purpose is. The circumcision we had before Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, and we became born again, was a physical circumcision to remind us that we have a king in an unseen realm. But now we've had this circumcision in our heart. And the physical one is not the requirement in order to be uh, remembered or recognized as a child of God. So, But it didn't just seem right to them personally in their testimony, but it seemed right to them and the Holy Spirit. And this is important because we got to do something more than just seems right. We need to be led by the Spirit that comes from the kingdom. Amen? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are what? What are they? They're the sons of God. So then, if we are children of God, then we ought to be led by something. Amen. I've said this before. If people ever come to me and say, Pastor Earl, you're a really good leader. All you're saying is I've become proficient in following the Holy Ghost. Period. Period. I'm just becoming more proficient in following the Spirit of God. Because I in and of myself can't take myself somewhere great. Not in God's standard. Now, man, I might be able to take myself, but what good is it for me to gain the whole world and forfeit my soul? What good is that? I'm not going to do that. I want to do what Daddy says. 
So, you know, when we're moving and doing things, and we say, well, you know, Pastor Roy's a good leader, or, you know, Pastor Marcus, he sure is leading the praise team good. And, you know, we talk about these things. You know, Pastor Mark, he sure is leading Treasure Island and our uh, children's ministry and stuff really well. All they're saying is we've become proficient in following the leading of the Holy Spirit. If people come to you and say, well, Jimmy, man, he sure does lead his house well, man, and he seems to be such a leader on the job. You know, he gets things done. You know what? He's become proficient at being led by the Spirit of God. And being led by the Spirit of God means we have to hear from Him from an unseen realm and walk it out in this seen realm. Do you see that? So turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Say, I'm led by the Spirit. Come on, you with me tonight. Don't let the little raindrops get you tired. Amen. We're excited about what God's doing. Amen. And so we're going to be led by the Spirit because there is a clear way. We don't have to guess this thing. You understand, the Lord's done something greater than um, uh, what most people want. Uh, uh, what was his name? Gideon. The Lord says, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, man, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> right? You got the wrong guy. So he says, listen, this is what I need you to do. I got this fleece here. I'm going to put it out. I want you to wet it and leave the ground dry. That way I know you talk to me. Next day, it was that way. Well, what did he do? Let everything be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Obviously, this time, Lord, had the ground wet and it dry. Vice versa, whichever one came first. But you know what I'm saying. Well, you understand, we've got something. And if people want to see him around, wow, oh, that just confirms. Listen, if the Holy Ghost talks, there ain't no better confirmation than hearing the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit's not going to talk outside the Word and out, and out of uh, alignment from the Word of God. God's put something in us greater than a sign that what we just heard is real. We need to hear and obey His voice and then act on it. Then it will change our situation. And there's a clear way. Oh, you know what? Because that happened, that's the Lord telling me I need to go there. No, the Lord better tell you here. Well, if one door opens... And another door shuts. You know, the devil's good at opening and shutting doors. He can do that all day long. And you'll get confused. If you don't know which door is right, which is the right way, you need to have great clarity. Because, you know, people are praying, well, I'm just praying that if the Lord wants me to have his job, he'll open that door for me. Well, does he or not? Ask him. And he'll, he'll answer that question. Hallelujah. And then before you get to the door, you're not moved by whether the door is open or closed. Because you've already heard. Because if the Lord said it's yours, then you get and talk to the door and tell it to open up, even if it tries to stay shut. Amen. Because the devil can move circumstances that can look contrary to the word, can he not? Amen. So we've got to have a clearer way than just what looks like something's going in play. We need to know before we get there. See, when I challenged those that the Lord started to speak to about coming to St. Augustine, I told them, I said, don't come because I'm there. Don't do that. Don't come. Listen, you better hear God because I, you're, I guarantee you, you're going to have trials and tribulations. And when that happens, you better know that you know you heard God. Because I can tell you right now, how many people have you heard this? Well, I'm praying for that job. The Lord opened that door. And if He opens that door, then I know it's God's will for me to be there if the door opens. Okay. And it could be literally that it's God's will. They get there and work for six months, and it's great. They love their job, and they tell you. Then all of a sudden, there's conflict in the office. You know, I don't, I, I don't know. that. I think God's telling me to go on now. But I thought you heard him to stay. I thought God told you. All of a sudden, what, he's giving you six-month jobs now? I mean, more people work for a temp agency with God than they do being committed somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Why? 
because they don't really know what God's saying, so they keep following what seems right or what really makes them feel good and not as uncomfortable. And, uh, and you know, they're looking for this perfect little place that they're not going to find because they keep finding themselves there. Amen. And they need to go on and just go ahead and commit and, and hunker into what God says and stay there. Man, and it changed your life. Amen. I remember Pastor Marcus, when he first came over uh, to St. Augustine, seven years ago, seven years ago, he came in, man, and, and through that first year, you know, he was, there was, this man has some opportunities now. I mean, y'all listen to Christian radio. Anybody y'all listen to Christian radio stations, you know, all them big name bands? This is one that never is not on it. This is one because he chose the other path. He chose to hear the Holy Ghost. He had people calling him and, and wanting to give him contract, record label. Could have toured all over the place. But now when he listens to those bands and he hears them, he's thinking to himself. He thinks to himself, what are they saying? What are they really doing? I mean, what real impact are they having? Now, if he would have left in that first year to follow that, it would seemed right. But in the end, what would have happened? Sure. There's no doubt about it. He'll even tell you himself, uh, you know what? I, I probably would have been depressed. So he had to get something more clear than it seemed right. Now with me, I was in the office. I remember we were in the office, and he was saying, I think I'm going to have to go. I, think I, have I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to start looking for somebody. No problem. You know, because I don't control this man. Don't control his life. I can't make him stay, even if I think he's absolutely wrong. And I could tell him that per se too. Say, so, you know, I think you're missing it, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Because you don't control people. We can't control people. That's not our job. Our job is just to go with where the Spirit of God's leading us. Amen? And God's going to attach people. He's going to get connected. Well, you know what? He came back, man, and said, you know what? I, I should be here. And he settled that thing. And I tell you, it's never been the same. And we've gone somewhere. And I don't think you have any regrets, do you? Because there's life. There's life. He went beyond what seemed right. Because I can tell you right now, it seemed right when all you thought about as a teenager is having a band and traveling all over the place. In fact, there's guys that he um, had in his band that actually got the label. The band he left. And they started, you know what, They're, they broke up. They're not even together now. Doing nothing. Do you know why? Because it seemed right, but it really ain't their purpose. Do you see this? So we've got to get to where we are being led by the Spirit of God. Why? Because we've got to do things more clear than just seem right. The world's groping what it seems right, what seems good. Oh, this seems like this is better. Oh, this seems better than this. When the truth is, we've got to follow the Holy Ghost. Amen? And there's a path He has designed for you that is powerful. Galatians 5, verse 16 says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Who are we supposed to be pleasing? Come on now, who are we supposed to be pleasing? The Father. We're supposed to do what He pleases, right? And so He's trying to say, listen, quit living independent, and start being dependent on Me, because the what I have designed for you, is way greater than you could create for yourself. Not only that, it will carry into eternity. Now, eternity in the sense of beyond this lifespan. 
Because what you're doing now will carry into the next lifespan, which is you'll never cease to exist from God in the sense of you won't die and be separated from people. No more death. Okay? And so we want to carry this thing all the way through. We, you know, more people are putting emphasis on building their own homes when if we would build God's home, He would take care of our home here and be building and preparing a place for us in the next one. Hallelujah. Verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, that, that, and what he's saying there is you're not under just rules and regulations independent from a heart desire to do what God says. You are led by the Spirit because you willfully want to do what He says and you desire to do it. Now, let's read this out of another translation. Um, the New Living Translation reads this same passage of Scripture, verses 16 through 18, this way. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. So listen, he's saying this, we're never free from the conflict of wanting to do our own thing as opposed to following God. There's always going to be temptation to want to just do what you want to do. And there's always going to be a temptation for you to be independent of God and His Word. There's always going to be that temptation. That's what the devil uses to tempt you to, hey, listen, you can do your own thing. Now, the minute he says that, you need to understand this. You're actually submitting to what he says. No hum human being on the planet is literally doing their own thing. That is the great deception, is that you're doing your own thing. Because the minute you don't submit to God's Word, you're submitting to the enemy's Word. You're submitting to a Word, period. Period. So if we're submitting to another Word from another realm, let's go ahead and get to the right Word. Because Jesus' words have life. Come on, what do they have? Peanut, what do they have? Life. They have life. His words are life. Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of... You want that. You want to follow Jesus. You want to hear the Holy Ghost and hear what He's saying. And you want to follow that. Hallelujah. You don't want to entertain any other kind of thought process. Period. About you, about anything anyone would say about you, about what your own mind tells you, or tries to remind you of pe what people said about you. You want to know what God has said about you, and you want to walk according to that. Amen? Turn over to Proverbs chapter 20. Come on, is this good? We led by the Spirit. Say, I'm led by the Spirit. What's so awesome is that when we got born again, when we became citizens in the kingdom, when we became children of God, our old spirit man that was at, at war against the things of God had no desire to do what he wanted us to do. We didn't even want to come to him. That nature passed away, and behold, a new spirit came on the inside of us. I, we became born again of a new spirit. Our spirit was then recreated in the likeness of Christ. But then more importantly than that, the Holy Ghost come to live on the inside of us and bear witness with our spirit with children of God. Amen. So our spirit man has now the capacity 
and the ability to hear God and follow Him and want to. We have a nature that wants to obey God. See, this is why when you really make Jesus Lord of your life, this is easy. It really is easy. Amen? It really is easy. Why? Because when your nature is in His likeness, you really want to do what He says. You want to. You don't want to do this thing on your own. It says this in uh, Proverbs 20, verse 27, says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost parts of his being. Hallelujah. It's in the realm of the spirit that we actually connect with God and hear his voice so that then we can walk that out. Now, listen, I want to show you an example here because I, I want you to see, you know, we could say, well, you know, it was a lot easier for those who actually saw Jesus. Look at this in, in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, verse 30. Um, being led by the Spirit or being led by Jesus himself when he walked on the earth was, has a realm of easy to it in one sense because Jesus was here. The disciples, he said, put, he said I'm going to make you fishers of men, some of them, he said, and they dropped their nets and they what? Followed him because he said, come and follow me. Well, guess what? He's there. So you're following him. Right? Okay, we are to be led by the Spirit. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is leading them physically so they are following Him. Do you understand this? Okay. Now, they are giving some account here. He says this in verse 30 to 32. It says, The God of our Father raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging Him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are what? Witnesses of these things. So And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So these disciples are saying we are eyewitnesses of this event taking place. We were there. We saw him. We touched him. We beheld him. Wherever he went, we went. He said this. We did it. He was there. It's an eyewitness account. It's easy to follow when it's right there. When everything that he's saying, you see it, and it's manifesting. Do we have any less of an eyewitness account today? No, we don't. The last part of the scripture says this. They said, we are witnesses of these things. Peter, you understand what I'm saying? Matthew they're saying, oh, yeah, we were there. We saw it. We saw when he called Lazarus out of the grave. We were there when the woman's son that was going to the graveyard, Jesus touched and he, wo and he woke up. We were there at Jairus' house. We saw the fig tree. We saw the fish and loaves. We were on the boat when the winds and waves. So for them, we know what he says is it. We saw it. But then it goes and says, and so is the Holy Spirit. Which means the Holy Spirit is everywhere Jesus is. He sees, he's an eyewitness account that what God says has happened. Amen. He's an eyewitness account. Now look at this in Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. If the Holy Spirit's an eyewitness account, look at this. It says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. This same Spirit now is an eyewitness account of the unseen realm. And where does He live? In you. You have no less the ability to follow God as the disciples did when they physically saw Jesus. 
nonetheless. Because the Holy Ghost is an eyewitness account of the things of God. And He lives where? Inside you. You know, it's amazing how people beg and are begging for some sign. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Do you think the Holy Ghost doesn't know what's going on in heaven right now? <laughs> Seriously, do you think that the Holy Spirit don't know what's going on in heaven? Sure He does. He knows what's going on. Because He only speaks what He's heard from where? From the Father. From what Jesus is telling Him. Jesus said, I'm going to send another one. He's just like me. He's the Comforter. And as I gave you instruction and spoke to you and told you how to move and do things, this Spirit of God is going to do nonetheless. Hallelujah. He's an eyewitness of everything taking place. And he begins to tell us, what's the Spirit of truth? What's the Spirit of Holy Spirit do? He's the Spirit of truth. He will teach us all things. Where's he getting this teaching from? From above. He will guide us into all truth. Where's he getting this truth from? From above. He will cause things to come to our remembrance. Why? Because He knows it all. You think your computer's got a great memory? Got nothing on the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost knows it all. Amen. I mean, we are more wired to all... I'm not talking just what we have been told. He can tell us things that He knows from God. I mean, the gifts of the Spirit... Which means you could go up to a complete stranger and you can download by the Spirit a hard drive off of their mind and their life. And by an unction of the Holy Ghost, a move of the Spirit of God, you could begin to speak a word of knowledge and say, Last Friday at 5 o'clock you were in this car doing this thing, having this conversation, whatever. And you know what? Those people would be blown away. And you hadn't hacked into their account. But the Holy Ghost knows all that. And He lives where? In you. He's an eyewitness account of all that's going on. He has access to all this information. Then the Spirit of God do this. He'll disclose to you what? Things to come. He knows future events. Right now. He knows future events. And He can speak to you and say, I need you to do this. You don't, he may not tell you what's going to come up in the future, but he can begin to speak things to you now that will prepare you for the future that when you actually get there, you'll say, I know why the Holy Ghost was telling me that now. Amen. There are things that he can put in place. Why? Because he's an eyewitness account of, listen, is the Holy Spirit God? Is he or not? Yes. And God is already in eternity or in this, he's, um, the beginning and the end. It's like this. People seem to think that God started something, and then when man fell, there's this section of time with us, and then God's going to pick back up in eternity. Because we use the word eternity like a time, like a space and time. You know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be eternity. Eternity is happening now. I mean, God's the beginning and the end. He's seen the beginning from the end. I mean, He sees it all. He's there in that period of time. There is no period of time. It's just eternity. That boggles our mind because we have a beginning and an end. But with God, there is no beginning and end. He is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? So He already knows what's happening. He's already seen the, 
the end of our time. And it stretches beyond. So what we do is we look at it as a place, a place in time with God. It's now. We are in His time frame. So He already knows what's going to happen to you ten years from now. He already knows what decisions you're going to make. He already knows that crossroad, whether you're going to choose right or choose wrong, whether you're going to choose life or choose death. He already knows. You say, well, if I already knows, why am I doing it? Because you're a free will moral agent. Believe you me, the Holy Ghost wants to guide you to life every time. I wish life was that easy to always pick, but it's not. That's why when Joshua said, he said, I set before you life and death, and then he has to give him an answer. Choose life. Why? Because death seems right. Why does he have to tell him to choose life? Because death seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end lies death. We've got to choose life. How do you choose life? You've got to be led by the Spirit. You've got to follow the Spirit of the kingdom. If you're not being led by the Spirit, it's going to just seem right and it's going to end up dying. It's going to bring death to you. And we don't want that. We want life. Amen? The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? We are children of God. He testifies. This word testify in the Greek means this. It means to provide confirming evidence by means of a testimony. Confirming evidence, which means this. The Holy Ghost is an eyewitness to the unseen. He testifies with our spirit. He is an eyewitness. He's communicating things pertaining... Uh, that's confirming evidence by means of a testimony. He's saying, go ahead and lay hands on them and they'll be healed. Now, you may not see that, but he's confirming a testimony of something he's already saw. He's an eyewitness. This take place. All you got to do is act on it. It comes from another Greek word, which means it's a marker between objects or between events, but without specifying the per- precise positional or functional relation. Meaning, I mean, he, 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 there's already a mark in time, and he's testifying, he's communicating, he's confirming something that's already taken place. He is an eyewitness. It comes from another Greek word which means this, to provide information about a person or an event concerning which the speaker has direct knowledge. When the Holy Ghost speaks, he has direct knowledge concerning this. He's not saying, well, you know, why don't you go try to lay hands on them and I'll see if I can get Jesus to respond while you're touching them. The Holy Spirit's not in guesswork. He doesn't operate by hypothesis. Y'all understand what that word is, right? Educated guess is what we do in the scientific method. We have a hypothesis, which is an education, educated guess concerning how something's going to turn out, and then we bring all kind of data towards it to confirm or deny whether or not our hypothesis was truth, and if it's truth, it can become a law. Okay? We can prove it. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate like that. He doesn't try to give you an uh, educated guess on how to respond. Well, try to say this and see what you can get. Well, let's try this and see if it works. He doesn't do this. He operates based upon confirmed information from the unseen realm. That's why Jesus, when that woman was caught in uh, in adultery and they brought... Does Jesus know the law? They said, what's the law say? The law says to stone this woman. He knew that. He knew that. But at this point, he needs to be what? 
led by the Pharisees. They say, what say you? I mean, they're trying to trap him. He's saying, okay, Lord, how do I respond here? And what's he waiting on? To hear what the Spirit of God is saying because the Father is going to talk to him by the Spirit. So he, even to the point he just gets down and starts scribbling on the ground. Don't know what he says. A whole lot of sermons about what he says. But that's all speculation. There's no truth in none of that. So he doesn't say what he wrote. But he was scratching something. We do know this. Some time was being um, taken advantage of because apparently he's waiting on a response from the unseen, a personal testimony, someone to give evidence of what needs to be said. So what did he do? After whatever that time period was, he got up and he said, He who's never sinned casts the first stone. At this point, he's not denying that she should be stoned at all. But he's going to qualify the stoner, the one who has the ability to stone. If you're going to stone somebody, then let's do this. You understand what I'm saying? Who is the qualified one to stone somebody? Hallelujah. So, what did they do? They started dropping their, their rocks. Why? Because they weren't qualified. All of them had sinned. And at the time that they are coming to revelation that, well, I'm not qualified, they walked away from him. Then he looks at the woman and says, where's your accusers? Which tells us this. At this point, he has no intentions to accuse, and he even says it. He says, I don't accuse you. He says, I'm not going to accuse you either. Either. He said, go and sin no more. What did he say? Now listen, why did Jesus say this? Well, there's a couple reasons why he could have said this. Number one, did Jesus catch her in adultery? Come on now, did Jesus catch her in adultery? At this point, Jesus has no um, real evidence other than those who are liars and are of their father the liar. Because unless he's got a word of knowledge from the Holy Ghost, because he was all God but also all man, I mean, their testimony ain't real good anyway. So in one sense, he said, well, I can believe the best that maybe they just didn't really catch her where she was. So how can I, how can I personally condemn her when I don't know that there's real evidence? Now, the Bible does tell us that, you know, you don't accuse somebody except by two or three witnesses, and they had more than two or three witnesses, but you understand... They also were liars, and we understand two or three witnesses sent Jesus to the cross, and they were all lying about him. Okay? So on one side, if the Holy Ghost didn't tell him that that was a literal situation that's going on, he could have loved, believed the best. I'm not going to accuse you, but if the accusations they say are true, you need to go and sin no more. Or he could have recognized that she's truly repentant, changed her thinking was in a position of forgiveness. And he's about that. And released her because of that. Amen? But with this we do know. He didn't stone her to death. And he could have because he was a man who knew no sin. He was qualified that day to cast the first stone. Amen? But what did he do? He was led by the Spirit. Jesus in all occasion was led by the Spirit. In fact, we see that when the Holy Ghost came upon him in Matthew chapter 3, when he was baptized in water by John the Baptist, immediately the very next chapter, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
Now, this is important because most people, when it comes to being led by the Spirit, they'd say, the Holy Ghost won't lead me to a bad place. Really? The Holy Spirit slapped, led Jesus straight up to the devil. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is not afraid of the enemy. He's not afraid. The Holy Ghost will let you know that the greater one's on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost has no problem with leading you to the worst in the worst situation so that you can see just how much power you really have. Hallelujah. That's why God the Father had no problem putting the tree of good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil, right in the middle of the garden. He didn't hide that thing off in a corner saying, Oh, Lord, I hope he don't go there. I mean, I'll try to keep him busy out here in the rest of the garden. I'm going to hide that thing away. You know, I'm going to put it in the far corner of this garden, you know, in Eden. I'm going to hide it, you know, way in the corner, you know, and it's going to be scrawny looking, you know. They, they hardly even know it's there. In fact, I'm going to put a whole forest in front of it so they can't even hardly get to it, and it'd be so tight it'd be hard for them to press through. If he was so concerned that, you know what, it's just so easy for him to fail because evil is just so dominating. No, he put it right in the middle. Knowing what? All you got to do is do what I say. My word is more powerful than anything. So Jesus went straight to the God of this world, the one who stole the dominion from the devil, and went straight to him and spoke the word and defeated him even then. Saying, you're not going to trip me up. I'll stay with the word. I'll continue to choose what? Life. He was led by the Spirit in the temptation. And in the end, the devil's running off looking for a way to kill this man. And Jesus is being ministered to by angels. Amen. So again, some people are like, well, you know, the Lord, you want me to have this job. Yep, he gives you a job and you've got the worst boss now. They hate you. They hate everything about you. Um, uh, uh, one of our uh, church members down in uh, St. Augustine testified that he took a part-time job uh, today during prayer and that his part-time employer, the minute he got in the vehicle to head out to the job, said, so are you a Christian too? Because there's a few other people that were Christians on his um, crew. He said, yes, I am. Apparently, one of those people work at our church. I'm going to find out who these people are. But um, anyway, he said, well, I just want you to know I don't believe in God. I think all that religion is a bunch of bunks, and I think we came from monkeys. So the guy said, okay, and didn't say nothing. And they went on driving a little bit more, and the guy goes, well, you're not going to respond to that? You ain't got nothing to say? He said, well, you, hey, if that's what you believe, I'm not here to try to pound in what I... What I believe to you, if that's what you believe, fine. Now, if you have some questions concerning, you know, where I'm at, and I can give you truth, but I'm not here to try to pound something into you. He said, and from that point, this guy started asking him questions. And he said, man, it was the Holy Ghost, because he was trying to pin me up in a corner. And the guys in the back, which one of them, I believe, goes to our church as well, we're texting back to one another saying, man, praying for, uh, that the Holy Ghost give Matt the right thing to say. Said all the way to the job during a break and then on the way back. And then finally, through this course, I don't know how long he's been there, he said the guy calls it Revelation Thursday because that's what he calls it because he works part-time and on Thursday apparently he's going to the job site and they're having conversations. So he ends up saying something to him about inviting him to church or something. I can't remember how it came across. Uh, this morning, but the guy said, is that an invite to your church? 
And he said, well, yes, it is. He said, well, I think I'll take that up. I want to check this out. Because he had made the comment. He said, man, what you're saying, I, it's, it's hard for me to refute it. So here's someone that just openly and blatantly admitted that they, we all came from evolution monkeys and now is interested in what they're saying. Why? Because they're speaking truth. But listen, he was led by the Spirit to work for someone that openly admitted that they don't want nothing to do with God. See, a lot of Christians are believing to get with other Christians so they don't have to have be around. The Holy Ghost has no problem taking you to the worst place to let your dominance, power show, and hopefully get some people changed. Amen. You're in a good job right now. You're in a good place. No matter how much they, you know, act about you and talk about you or say something about you or act like, you know, who are you and how come you don't do this and go with us here, you know, that's okay. You just do the Word. You just be led by the Spirit. And you'll start saying things to them that will either cause them to repent or change or bring wisdom that they can't even imagine. Hallelujah. We need to be led by the Spirit. Do you see this? And the Holy Ghost living in us is greater than the one in the world. And He has access to first-hand information from an unseen realm that already goes into the future that He can communicate to you that unless you're filled with the Spirit, you don't have that kind of access. Aren't you glad you're not trying to figure out life? We don't have to figure out life. We can actually know life. We can know it. Because we're born of the Spirit of God, and that Spirit lives in us. Hallelujah. That Spirit lives in us. He lives in us, and He communicates to us, and we say, yep, I heard the Holy Ghost on that. I'm going to act on that. I'm going to do that, and I'm going to press. And no matter what opposition comes, I've heard the voice of God. I can press till I'll have victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that good news? Amen. This is important in every area. You know what? It doesn't matter what it is. Even when it comes to um, sickness and disease, you understand? Um, you know, you need to respond to the Spirit of God before you just run off to a hospital. I'm not saying you can't go because you understand hospitals, I consider them supplements. Okay? I eat steak and potato, and then I can eat a multivitamin. Multivitamin is a supplement. I don't go to multivitamins and eat all them, and when I go malnourished, then I'm going to run to a steak. No, I eat steak and potato. I eat real food first, and then the supplements are what they are, supplements. We understand a hospital, medical profession, that's supplements. You need to run to the Word first about your body. First, you need to have a steady diet of it first. And then if you need to take a supplement, fine. Know that that's all this is. It's a supplement. But I know in my case, and I know in some of y'all, y'all testify that situations happen with family, and before you just ran to the hospital, you stopped and said, Lord, what do you need me to do? And you need to hardly hear the Holy Ghost. Because sometimes the Holy Ghost say you need to go so that they, you can hear in the natural where the problem is so that you can finally speak to it specifically. Hallelujah. And you need to be led by the Spirit. But sometimes the Holy Ghost say, don't even go. I can't even tell you how many times the Holy Ghost said, well, just call so-and-so. And I'll call and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. You know, they're in the medical profession. This, I mean, you're not supposed to be going to the emergency room on this deal. Talk to me. This is a symptom. This is what's happening. Can you tell me? And based upon that, because that's all they do, listen, it's called a practice. Doctors are in a practice. They're practicing medicine. They're trying to figure out what's going to work. Because they don't know. And they know what's worked based upon other cases of like symptoms. But when it's all said and done, when they put in you, which worked for somebody, may not work for you because you actually get the laundry list of side effects that the other person didn't get. 
If your stool looks like coffee grounds, that is a true side effect for some medication. That is not good. That is not good. Amen. I mean, if you watch the commercials, they say, I mean, I, I, I haven't done this yet, but I've been wanting to do this. I've been wanting to tap, time some of those little uh, medical, you know, uh, prescription drug commercials because they say, oh, take such and such, you know, and you'll feel better. And then all of a sudden, it seems like the whole commercial is about if you suffer from this, 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 and this, consult your do- doctor, and you may have these kind of side effects or associated with this particular drug. And more of the commercials about the issues that you could have because of it, but then they just show the person through the whole time having this great free life because they took this. Yet half the actual words of the commercial is the problems you can actually have associated with taking the drug. Do not operate heavy machinery when on this prescription. I mean, Jimmy, you can't take nothing, man. You see what I'm saying? But my point is is that we ask the questions and then we're led by the Holy Ghost. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Holy Ghost? And don't get anxious. He will communicate. And if we're led, that is a clearer way. Well, it just seemed right we ought to run to the hospital. Man, I know people who run to the hospital and it's cost them. It's cost them. It's cost them because they got into that medical care. Next thing you know, they're controlling it all. I mean, they're, you're trying to get off and trying to get them to stop and do and they just keep running and we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now, we're going to do this now. It costs you. We've got to be led by the Spirit. And when we're led by the Spirit, it's a clear way and it brings life. You believe that? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Word. We think it's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you, Lord, that your word does not fail. Father, we pray for Larry right now. We know he's been discharged from uh, the hospital, but we thank you um, that you're healing.